Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of About to Review. I'm your host, that guy named John, and I'm joined by the fan favorite, uh, Tim Hall <laughs> of The People's Critic. <laughs> What's up? I'm going to be a fan favorite. That's good. Sure. The people have been demanding it. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, I like to uh, butter up my guests and possibly lie to them. Uh, hey, you know, it's all right. I've been lied to before. It's fine. Yeah, and you keep coming back, so keep coming back there you go uh okay so on today's episode we are going to kind of focus on the sweet science so boxing movies because hands of stone uh just came out so i had an idea to kind of throw together a boxing centric episode so Mm -hmm. we're going to break it up into chunks tim and i are each going to give an underrated boxing movie then we're going to do an overrated boxing movie Mm-hmm. Uh, honorable mention, and then we'll go into our review of Hands of Stone, the new movie starring Edgar Ramirez, Robert De Niro, yeah, about Roberto Duran. Okay. So, all right, so getting right into it. So, my underrated boxing movie is from 1997, and wow. it, it was aptly titled The Boxer. So, wow. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, they kind of hit it over the head. With that one, mm-hmm. like, hmm, what should we name this boxing movie? The Boxer. So maybe not the most original. So mm-hmm. The Boxer is an Irish film uh, directed by Jim Sheridan. And one of the reasons that it is underrated, in my opinion, so it stars Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the only Daniel Day-Lewis movies where he did not get nominated slash win <laughs> every award on the planet. So the story takes place in 1997, Belfast, Ireland, when tensions were really high, not only between, you know, Protestants and Catholics. I mean, like it was, it was a rough time in, in mm-hmm. Ireland's history. And so it focuses on Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, his character is Danny Flynn, and he gets released from prison after 14 years after kind of taking the rap for an IRA mission, you can call it that. Uh, so he gets out and then is basically just trying to piece his life back together in this small town, small community that is, yeah, kind of, I mean, under siege, but from within. Because you have mm-hmm. the IRA, you have all of these tensions, and he is just trying to get back into the real world. Mm-hmm. So it deals a lot with just kind of not only the tensions of the location, but his internal struggles of just being like, cool, just like a lot of movies, when someone spends a large chunk of time in prison and then comes, <laughs> and then comes back out and they're like, uh, how do I do this? Yeah, sounds like my cousin. <laughs> but we will not name names. No, no, no. He, just, he has not, like, like cell phones. He's like, what is this? I'm not making this up. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, because yeah. when you spend, especially, I mean, so this movie came out in 1997, mm-hmm. and it, it actually, yeah, it takes place then. Think of the 14 years leading up to 1997, or think right. of someone going in around the 90s, like, they're going to miss everything. They're going to miss the <laughs> internet. They're going to miss cell phones. They're go- like, so, <laughs> right. pretty, pretty crazy. Um, right. 
So I guess one of the things that I, I forgot to mention before we kind of just dove right in this are kind of what are the qualities in your mind that make yeah. a good boxing movie? You need a good villain. Okay. Right. You need to feel like your hero is going up against something unbeatable. Right. If he's just if he's if he's Floyd Mayweather, what's the like the Floyd Mayweather story is boring. It would be more about him dealing with Bob Arum, right? Right. Like that's the fight. The fight is promoters. The fight is uh, the money. The fight is his inner demons. The fight isn't any, any of his opponents ever. Mm-hmm. And the same with the same with Tyson. The fight wasn't really Tyson's opponents except for Holyfield. The fight was really mm-hmm. Tyson himself. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, Tyson, Tyson fighting Tyson's villain was himself. Ty- yeah, Tyson's you know. villain was his inner demons right. that man <laughs> so, so I think a good boxing movie definitely needs a good villain and, okay. he's, a good, and, he's, and he's a hero you care to, to fight to watch fight and you, you care to watch win um, yeah. and it needs some heart to it it's mm-hmm. gotta have like an element of like heart and reality to it like just watching two people slug it out isn't exciting that's why they do all these 24 sevens and puff pieces for boxers because they know that's necessary to sell the fight mm-hmm I absolutely agree because that is the thing about the boxer. This movie is, yes, it is about boxing. Yes, it is about, you know, Danny Flynn, who kind of was the town's best boxer, like in his youth. And, you know, even from the very beginning, like when you see him exiting the prison along with a bunch of other prisoners uh, who are getting released and you see people like people had just gotten married uh, at the at the prison and so there's all of that but they see him like out of the corner of their eye and they're like that's danny flynn like he, like so from the very beginning he is already kind of this living legend mm-hmm. of think again, about him already yeah because everyone knew who he was you know back then and now that he is out they're like okay like how is this gonna mm-hmm. go right so and that was the thing it's like, it like, like a mobster getting out of prison pretty much it, i mean it was the ira so <laughs> yeah I mean, <laughs> you, you can make that comparison and not be too off the mark. Hopefully, I'm not yeah. offending any IRA members who might be listening. Um, yeah. so, so to your point, when it comes to villain, so this one, there is kind of a central villain. There is someone, you know, that, that he fights and all that. He gets into, I mean, a few fights. But this focus is mainly on the interactions within the community the interactions with him trying to rebuild his life and see the girl that he loved when he went in, when he mm-hmm. was 19 when he went in. And now of course, you know, she had gotten married, she had a kid. So it, it is him dealing with that. Mm-hmm. So th- there is boxing in this movie and right. it is, you know, maybe a third of the movie, but mm. this movie is tremendous. I mean, it is a really, really good movie. I mean, some of the other people, I mean, it has Brian Cox in it, who was, mm-hmm. you know, Royal Shakespearean acting company legend. Uh, he plays everything. Yeah, he played Stryker in X-Men, one of like the five actors to play Stryker. Yeah. Uh, which is He's just, my favorite Stryker. I would agree, yeah. He, he was solid. He was menacing. And mm-hmm. then they replaced him like five times. Uh, and it just, it got silly. Uh, the love interest is, oh, what is her name? I just pulled it up and now, I, now I'm blanking on it. Uh, you would recognize her immediately um okay. oh it's going in order in order oh emily watson yes so I'm she right. has a very distinctive look both of them like this is one of daniel day lewis's more subdued performances mm-hmm. it is still daniel day lewis like he right. can he can give a subdued performance 
and yet command the screen and just right. his presence, his delivery mm-hmm. um, is just kind of why I thought this was, this is one of the most underrated boxing movies. Uh, trying to think what other things. Yeah. I mean, the, the tension in this movie is not the typical tension in a boxing movie, which mm-hmm. is boxer gets defeated in the beginning and then is building back up to that right. rematch, and then they fight, and, and that is it. This one is just a slow burn, because again, it is about Belfast in 1997, and everything that was happening there, and yeah, it, it, was just, it, it is an incredible movie. And Jim Sheridan, one of the greatest Irish film directors. So, there you go. That was my underrated boxing movie, 1997, The Boxer with Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay. All right. So I'm going my underrated next. Obviously. Yes. Uh Mine would be Rocky Three. Okay. Um, be, not and not for the reason. I mean, the boxing itself was its own thing, but right. it really dealt with celebrity and how we had and like what. It's funny to, to watch the movie came out in the '80s, mm-hmm. but it really handled what we see in celebrity now, right? Rocky's coming off his win against um, against a Creed. Mm-hmm. He's a big star. He's doing the celebrity stuff. Um, he gets challenged by a younger, stronger Clubber Lang, right. who uh, embarrasses him in front of his wife, <laughs> offers, him, offers her to come back to his apartment, sure, what a mm-hmm. real man is, one of my favorite <laughs> things. Uh, <laughs> um, so he's not training right. He's not focused. Yeah. And, and then it deals with, you know, Mickey dies, which mm-hmm. kind of parallel what happened to Tyson with Customato. Um, so Rocky's floundering. He gets picked up by his friend, by Creed, to teach him how to fight again, and get back to his roots and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's really the celebrity of Rocky in the beginning of the film to me is what's so underrated. Cause I think that's what we mm. see now. Mm-hmm. He's so caught up in like who he is and being this star that he's lost complete focus on how to fight. And he's beating everyone, right? The, the movie yep. starts talking about him beating all these people and being the super champion. Um, and he goes from being this poor Rocky dude that we saw last time in an apartment to being a in a mega mansion. star. Yeah. Yeah, with a pool. Well, it's similar, similar. like, the, like a, a modern kind of MMA comparison. You take someone like John Jones, who, exactly. who is an incredible, like, he has one loss on his record, and it was early mm-hmm. on, and it should not have been a loss. It was a weird elbow rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, take some, yeah, you take someone like that who beat everybody. Yeah. You know? He can't keep his life together. But then, yeah, then, I mean, celebrity kind of makes you crazy. And <laughs> it kind of, it's funny, we, since we, you know, with the advent of social media, we see so much of it now, right? A mm-hmm. lot of our favorite people become problematic once we start following them on social media. You're like, ooh, you say really homophobic <laughs> stuff. Maybe I shouldn't be following you around. And uh, block. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but, but I felt like Rocky dealt with that. And it has a villain. Like, Clever Lane is one of my favorite villains of all time. Um, He's fantastic. He has very little to say. Um, yeah. But when he does speak, he speaks with these. I say, like, yeah, hold up my know, fist right? that nobody can see because this is an audio medium. <laughs> yeah. But when he does, like, like when he, little stuff, like when he's in the ring and Apollo Creed goes to touch him and he says, get off me, you has-been. I don't want you rubbing off on me. Like, he called Apollo Creed, who is known to be a champion, he mm-hmm. calls him a has-been. Mm-hmm. Says he doesn't want him rubbing off on him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's such a villain. It's so yeah. he's a villain through and through for the entire movie. And even though Rocky never changes his fighting style when he does all this training, nope, like I'm gonna learn how to fight different. <laughs> he fights the same. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even in Rocky Balboa, even in all of these, like 
Yeah. Come on. The fight's the same. Yeah. No defense. He just throwing nope. haymaker <laughs> 12 rounds. These fights would have been stopped round two. Uh, all right, enough, Rocky. Yeah. And especially especially the the the, uh, the Drago fight. Oh man. And the Drago, not to sidebar the Rocky for, but Drago kills Apollo Creed in a, in a yeah. it's a expedition. It's not even like a real fight. Nope. Yeah. Murders him. Murders. <laughs> and Murders. nothing happened. <laughs> uh, but Rocky's got some great characters. I mean, Hulk Absolutely. Hogan shows up with Thunder Lips. <laughs> I had forgotten about that. Yep. Uh, Polly's super racist. Like, mm. it's funny to watch now. Like, when they go to the gym to train, to they go to Creed's gym, he's like, oh, it's a little dark in here. I'm like, come on, Polly. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that necessary on, right Polly. now? <laughs> yeah, it's a little dark in here. We get you. A bunch of black guys in the gym. Right. Um, Real subtle. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's underrated for, for that aspect, for what it, I don't know if it was foreshadowing, but what it sort of unraveled about because we, we used to see boxers as these, these gladiators and these people who were just tough all the time. Mm-hmm. But when you see Rocky three, you realize these people are just as vain and just, just as susceptible to like falling in those kind of uh, traps as we are. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, they're not gods. They're not Zeus. They're people. And, and we see that and we see, you know, our hero Rocky get whooped. Mm-hmm. Like he is whooped in that fight. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. not even close. Like, 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 Clever Lang destroys him, mm-hmm. um, and there's still you know a, a third act to go, and you know in the in the third act the hero will somehow rebound, but right. for that second act, man, you watch him take a beating, mm-hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't the loss he took in Rocky One where it was like oh look at the champion, no this was yeah this was hamburger meat <laughs> <laughs> like just brutalized yeah this was him just getting pummeled by a dude who was stronger and better than him. So then, to me, that's my underrated film because I really feel because I've seen it a hundred times. Of course. And recently, as I watched it, I thought, man, they really did hammer home what it's like to be an, a, an athlete and lose some of that grace. Um, even that that when they do that that montage, which is in all Rocky movies, but doing the training montage. Mm-hmm. But Rocky's got the cameras, and like Clubber Lang is <laughs> literally working out in the dark. Yep. He's like in some dark room, like doing which, pull-ups. Man, like now, do you think that Rocky? Can we? No blame slash attribute Rocky movies for the montage sequences. Yes. And, and soundtracks. Cause those soundtracks were incredibly popular too. Yeah. I actually think I have the original one on vinyl over here. Yeah. Those soundtracks were like the thing. <laughs> yeah. Cause the, the montages every, yeah, every moving, you knew it's going to happen got- uh, in the fourth one. Again, as a sidebar, you know, you have Drago, with all these machines and just going crazy. The, the steroid use. Oh, oh, blatant <laughs> steroid use. Yeah. Those Russians, those pesky Russians doing steroids. <laughs> and, then they, and then they fought on Christmas. Wait, yeah, I mean, it, was it this year? Oh, wait, no. That was before. Yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah it was before. Interesting how history repeats itself. <laughs> it, it, listen, uh, yeah, so Rocky Three to me is really, really underrated. Like, if anyone listening to this, just go back thinking I'm crazy listen thinking I'm crazy go back just rewatch it with fresh eyes and just see like it's Mm -hmm. it really does tackle Rocky Celebrity in the first two acts really 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 well um and like you said John Jones you think of all the other celebrities that are Mm -hmm. out here um Roy Jones Jr. I remember when he was top of the world he's still fighting yeah he shouldn't be (laughs) I was like he he is he sure is this guy was top of the world and got whooped and then came back and got whooped again. He's never been the same. Those two mm-hmm. knockouts destroyed yeah. him. It's what we know about boxing, right? We know these people who take these vicious knockouts. It destroy. It, some people never come back from that. Mm-hmm. And some of them make a billion dollars selling grills. 
So I'm gonna make him into hostile and grill. <laughs> but even then, his formula was never the same after that fight. Oh uh, no, which is why he started making grills. <laughs> yeah. He was never the same after that fight. It's it's crazy. And even and we'll get into this with you know Hands of Stone, but same thing with the Duran mm-hmm. fight. So to the to your most overrated boxing movie, go for it. Cinderella Man. Oh okay. See, I, <laughs> go ahead. No, please. please. I, I thought about putting that one on my list, but I was like, for it to be overrated, people would have had to care about it. And I remember that coming and going quickly. I just remember all the buzz around like award season. I was like, what? For what? Yeah. <laughs> for what? Uh, was it Renee Zellweger? Didn't she like lose a bunch of weight for the role? Yeah. Uh, Russell Crowe was, was, you know, on his rocket ship to, to stardom at the time. He right. had been in a, in a lot of stuff. I didn't care about the boxer. I didn't care about the story. <laughs> I didn't care about the Great Depression. I didn't care about <laughs> anything that was happening in that movie. But people, I remember people watching it being like, oh. Um, and I think there's, you know, I think there's, there's a bit of a race element to why people like this movie. Because okay. it harkens back to the days of like the great white boxer. Mm-hmm. Right, the great white hope where they dominated yep. in boxing. Yeah, I could like, see that. Right. Like, that's not what's happening anymore. And so mm-hmm. I think people saw that and they were like, oh, I remember this time. This is when America was great. Let's go back to, <laughs> right. to Let's go back to this boxer. I think that had it. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who loved the movie is racist. I'm right. saying that it appealed to a lot of people around voting season because it reminded them of a time that there were white men who dominated every sport. Interesting. Yeah. Track and field, boxing, mm-hmm. basketball, baseball. Mm-hmm just dominated because no no one else could play obviously so i was like hmm i wonder why they dominated like saying, for so long i remember when men dominated the nba it's like yeah because women don't get to play right. um <laughs> but yeah so i think there's part of that and i just bothered me like this isn't now do you think it was overrated mainly just because of the cast and crew because i mean yeah it had like yeah. paul giamatti renee zellweger yeah i mean it had it's a great cast yeah but as a boxing film i was like this isn't a boxing story i care about I don't care about any of these people. Oh, man. And it was Ron Howard directed it, too. Yeah. So, okay. So, I I can definitely see why. I just, I could see why there was hype. But I remember, I mean, that was like 2005. Yeah. You know? Like, if I I said, okay, what are our elements for an Oscar movie? I said, all right, something takes place way back in the day. It deals with something that happened in history, like the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. I've got a great actor. I've got a good female lead. I've got a good supporting cast. I've got an Oscar-nominated, Oscar-winning director. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. let's let's put this pie together and make an Oscar movie. And mm-hmm. it just didn't fit. It's like it's like um, what's her name's movie that came out last year? Um, Unbroken. Unbroken. Oh, uh, let me look that up Anthony on Jolie. the Google. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. Like they try to put together an Oscar. Like how do we like Lego pieces? Like how do we how do we Lego up this Oscar film? What can we put in here that's gonna be bait for everybody who votes for Oscars? And the movie just right. didn't hit. It had no heart to it. Like I was saying about a good boxing movie needs heart. It didn't really have any heart to it. I mean, they tried to manufacture heart in the film, right. which you can tell. I mean, that is the thing is that I think with boxing movies in particular because the heart is so important right you can kind of tell when someone is not necessarily faking it but when the movie is just so vanilla when it is just mm-hmm. so soft that you just kind of stop caring 
You know, you know it's funny. I, I said that last year with Southpaw. Like halfway through Southpaw, it turned into this conventional boxing film. Right. Where all of a sudden I'm like, okay, so I'm just watching another boxing movie. And at the beginning, he's this guy and he's this fa- he's famous boxer and his wife gets murdered and um, he's, he's all of a sudden broke. Right. Like he's broke immediately. I'm like, how was he? He was like, a, he's living paycheck to paycheck? Like, how is he broke within months? He's losing his home. It just turned into this, like, formulaic. The performances were fine. The little girl, she was in Peach Dragon recently. She was mm. good. Hall's great and everything. But I just felt so, it turned into, like, this the regular boxing movie. Yeah. And it sort of lost its heart. Because with, with all of these films, with I think especially with boxing films, I mean, every movie you know, can have the same type of three-act structure and this, this, this. With boxing right. movies, though, we kind of know what to expect. Like we talked about in the right. first act, the fighter is going to be in a pivotal fight, most likely right. lose, so that right. they can build up and in the third act, come back and win. So you kind of get that going into any boxing movie, but there are still ones that can do it a lot better. And a yeah, So something like Cinderella Man, like... Yeah, it just if you if you do not care about these characters in any film, it is going to be a nail in the coffin. But especially a boxing film, which focuses right. so much on heart, determination, all of these things. Yeah, yeah, that, that is a tough road. Yeah, it's a tough one. So that's that's my mine is Cinderella Man. Okay, so my my most overrated boxing movie. People might have an issue with this, but oh no, uh, Million Dollar Baby. Oh, really? <laughs> Million Dollar Baby is... Because so depressing? It is brutal. And <laughs> it becomes... I mean, just watching Clint Eastwood, who I will never take away from his legendary status as an actor, I will not do that. But in this film, the way he is scowling, the way that... I mean, his skin is just stretched yeah. over a skeleton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it just like, and he's just he is growling and scout like his vis- like that his last like five movies exactly like his visual expressions are just hard to watch. Morgan Freeman in this movie as a narrator again. Morgan Freeman he can narrate any movie. I yeah. do not care. But why is his narration voice different than his character's voice? Because like in the beginning of the film, he makes himself sound like twenty years older than he is. Mm. And you're like, bro, you're Morgan Freeman. You're already a yeah. hundred years old. Yeah. Why are you're you trying? Old. Yeah, like why are you trying to out old Clint Eastwood? Mm. So I had I had problems with that. The plot. I mean, again, talk about formulaic. Like from the very beginning, you just you know where it is going. Except of course, like there is the big big twist. I think I think that's why people love it. I I guess. Uh, so, hmm, should I spoil it? Uh, I mean, it came out a long. It came out a long time ago. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> the, the statute of limitations is out on on this movie, but so Hillary Swank uh, wants to be this fighter, and she is determined to be this this fighter. Uh, and of course, Clint Eastwood was like, "I don't train girls because I'm a nine hundred year old man," and just blah blah blah. So ends up, of course, he ends up training her. She ends up fighting. And this ties back into Rocky number four that we talked about. Mm. Okay, so she is in this fight with the world champion at the time who is cheating. Like, the woman is elbowing her in the face. Mm. is just straight up cheating. At one point, the bell rings. This woman just 
cold cocks her. Cold cocks Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank falls, hits her head, well, hits her neck on the bench that was in the, or on the stool that was in the ring, snaps her neck. Or, you know, shatters, you know, vertebrae and becomes paralyzed. Would that woman be in prison? Exactly. Thank you. So, at some, <laughs> when I'm watching, I remember watching this movie the first time and being like, oh, okay, this, and I, it did remind me of Rocky IV when I watched it because I was like, all right, that, that woman nearly killed this one, like attempted murder. Like, and you never find out what happened. It's and the just, same with, the, with Southpaw, right? There's that shooting, his wife gets shot in this really expensive hotel. I'm like, are there no cameras? Like, no right. one saw his homeboy with the gun? Right. And that was the thing is, like, in, in Million Dollar <laughs> Baby, when Clint Eastwood or Skeletor, whatever he wants to be called, uh, is like, ref, open your eyes, blah, blah. And the ref. Just, he does not see this woman just straight up punch somebody and cause mm. a new pa- like. So it was no, just no one in there saw it, <laughs> right? And you never hear about it again. You never hear when Hillary Swank is laid up in the hospital and they have mm. all of like probably the third act, more than the third act, yeah. is just her in the hospital. You never hear, you know what? Don't worry, you should feel vindicated because that woman is in prison. Yeah, nothing. There is no closure. <laughs> like it was just. It was just weird. Um, yeah, I really think it was the ending that really sold people. People saw the ending and were like, oh my God. And yeah. That was it. I just, again, with a movie where you need to feel something, right. I just did not really feel anything with these characters. No sadness, because no shock, no awe, no. I, no I, was, I was shocked, I think, because right. when the woman was cheating, I was like, okay, you know, this could, this could go a couple different ways. Right. What she ended up doing, like, it was shocking. I was like, okay. And not only was it shocking, but it was in the second act. So like, okay, she cannot, like, if she is going to come back and fight this woman again, like, she has 30 minutes, like mm-hmm. 30 minutes of movie time to do your whole rehab montage. Of a montage. But when they, when you see her laid up in the hospital montage. and yeah. she was like, my C2 and C3. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you get, you get a cast like that. Of course, it is going to, you know, have buzz. And Clint Eastwood directed it. This was before Gran Torino. What had he direct? Yeah. With, this was not his first directing thing. No. Uh, Did he direct Tombstone? What was that? Did he direct Tombstone? He might have. Uh, let me check. I do have the Google machine right in front of me. Uh, how many directing credits? Okay, wow. He has 38 directing credits. Never mind. <laughs> uh <laughs> Oh, Bridges, Madison County. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so even even the direction of this, like the cinematography, I think was really cool. Like they played with some light and shadows in interesting ways. Hey, those fights were so dark. I remember that. Like the fights, that, were the fights were dark, and the fight choreography was decent, mm-hmm. but it was not anything kind of groundbreaking. Right. Um, but it, it was pretty solid. But when she is in the gym. You know, it. You know, they were turning off all the lights, and she is in the corner. So, like, there were cool visual elements, right. but man, this movie just blew up. People were just talking about it for months, for uh, months. And I was just like, okay. And it won four Oscars. Yep. And and I was like, okay, um, why? So it was. It wasn't four Oscars, good. Oh no, no, it won Best Picture. Uh, best actress Hilary Swank, best supporting actor Morgan Freeman, 
best directing. Clint, like they cleaned house with this movie. Mm-hmm. And I just do not see why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. Yeah. And what is interesting though, is watching it again, just like I watched it recently, just kind of skip through and remind myself, uh-huh. uh, it has two people who are now in Avengers movies, which is pretty awesome. Ooh. So it has the Falcon. Oh, he's in here. As, as Sherelle or Shira, yeah. whatever his name is. Uh, and it has, oh, uh, the guy from, he was an Ant-Man, um, Michael Pena. No. Oh. So it has, a, like, watching the two of them interact in this movie again, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That is pretty awesome that they are now wow. in a franchise together. I forgot. I forgot they were in that. Yeah. And, yeah, there were just, there were a few things. Jay Burishel, yeah. who plays Danger. That whole character is just so ham fisted and just And I like Jay. Yeah. He is he is good. He is great in some things. But it was just it was just a weird choice, I think. So yeah. easily my most overrated boxing movie. Million Dollar Baby. Million Dollar Baby. You're gonna get so many hate emails about that. Eh. <laughs> we'll we'll see. <laughs> uh and yours was Cinderella Man, which I, I absolutely agree with. Yeah. But do you agree with mine? Keep in, I agree. Keep in I mind, mean, I, I can shut your mic it, off. Yeah. <laughs> speaking about it, yeah. Because I've never had a desire to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Even when I had this idea for this boxing episode, I was like, that it was a first movie that came to mind for over it. Yeah. And I was like, am I going to watch it again? <laughs> so no, I just I've skipped through it. I've never been like, oh, let me go watch this depressing movie one more time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, cool. So that was overrated. Uh, for honorable mention of kind of a, a a great boxing movie again mm-hmm. not not the best boxing movie but my mm-hmm. honorable mention for a great boxing movie guy ritchie's snatch yes like that movie is phenomenal that is a movie where i can i have gone back and watched that multiple times mm-hmm. and again it is not it is a boxing movie in my opinion because it centers around the people who run this box organization and all of that uh-huh. uh I think it is one of Brad Pitt's most nuanced characters it's so good. because it is something completely different. It is. And can what you, year was that? Oh man, nineties. Uh, I want to say, or no, or early two thousand, right? Uh, two thousand. Yeah. This would be the second podcast in a row we've talked about Guy Ritchie. Yeah, Guy Ritchie. Like this movie is great. Can you think of a Brad Pitt role that he has done since then that was this unique and this different? Maybe Burn After Reading. Oh, okay. But that's it. Yeah. So just to see him who, at this point in his career, this is 2000. Like, Brad Pitt, I mean, was just so high on everybody's list. And then to do something, a unique project like this, unique character like this. Right. Phenomenal. So that would be my, my honorable mention for boxing movie. Do you have one? I do have one. I was torn. Ooh. I was torn between Far and Away, 1992. With wow, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise and Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. Yep. Yeah, he's doing some Irish boxing. Your, your first movie reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I went with Hurricane, the Hurricane. Okay, yeah. Denzel Hurricane Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true story. I thought Denzel should have won the Oscar for that performance. He was fantastic. Uh, I could name five movies that Denzel Washington <laughs> should have won an Oscar for. He was so good in Hurricane. Yeah. So good. Uh, and it's a sad story mm-hmm. of like false imprisonment and like 
this guy who was great and his career going to pieces. And like, yeah, the hurricane is, is a fantastic movie. Yeah. And some real tearjerker moments in it too. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, when you, when you watch historical boxing movies, mm-hmm. they resonate more, I think. Yeah. Cause you're dealing with like all the greed and everything that comes with it being a, like the stuff that people really deal with is not the, the fanfare. It's not the, the fun stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. You're getting ripped off, and people are lying to you, and people who are saying there's, they're there to support you aren't really there for support. Um, all your fans kind of disappear when you go to prison. Like, all this stuff happens to you. Yep. Um, so you get to see that in Hurricane. Like, this guy's whole life sort of just spiraled mm-hmm. out of control. Yeah. Because I think, I think with boxing movies, like we have talked about before, it just, you can realize you're watching a movie and you can be entertained by the movie, but then when you realize in movies like Hurricane, you know, mm-hmm. movies, I mean, Cinderella Man, eh, overrated, but, you know, based on a true story. So you were like, oh, wow, like these, these things this character is going through is what they really went through. Yeah, this is actually happening to people. Yeah. It's actually happened. It's happened. It's been happening. It's happened to more people than just them. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me, you remember that movie Begin Again about with Kara Knightley mm-hmm. and she was starting a music career. and That sounds and, terrible. Yeah. Keir Knightley yeah, is on but, my is on my top three list, and this is a different episode. <laughs> Keir Knightley is on oh, my top no. top three list of actresses who could stop acting, and I would not care. Okay. So it the was, movie that you're describing, I have no idea. <laughs> but in the movie, was it was it Keira Knightley or Natalie Portman? I don't know. She is also it, on my it, top three list. <laughs> it, but in the film, they're dealing with the music industry, but they don't deal with zero of the corruption. And it's this whole movie dealing with music in 2015, and they don't include the internet until like literally the what? very, 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 yeah, to literally the very, very end of the movie. And it reminded me of, of these fictionalized boxing tales where they don't really deal with how corrupt it is, yeah, how the money works, right? As much as I love Creed, that's a left out of the film. Mm. Like, we're doing this movie, we're doing this fight, okay. <laughs> And that that is it, yeah. That's it, yeah. And just you know, all the stuff that happened behind the scenes that I think makes this those real life boxing tales so. And we'll talk about it with Hands of Stone. That's what makes it so unique. It's like these things happen to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. these guys are just there to box, and they're 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 essentially puppets at moments. And I think the Hurricane yeah. handled that well. Like he was just as strong, as powerful as he was, as much of a champion as he was, he was still a man at the whim of everybody else around him. There mm-hmm. wasn't much he could do about it. He couldn't, couldn't find his way out of every situation. Nope. And that, that has to be incredibly difficult when you are a champion in whatever sport. I mean, yeah. the Olympics are going, are actually just ending. You yeah. can be a world champion. And when you have to realize that there are things out of your control that are controlling you and the yeah. sport and what you can do, you, like you can be a world champion and show up at a gas station and just have everything go sideways. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can pee on the walls and <laughs> lie, lie to the media. Oh and man, be a statement. Those things happen to world champions. Hashtag but, you know, lion lochte. Yeah, but what you're saying reminds me of why so many football players are hesitant to talk about CTE because mm. you were these gladiators in this sport. Um, and then all of a sudden you're forgetting why you're at the grocery store or um, you think you're hearing voices and you're not. Um, mm-hmm. You don't remember your kids' names. Uh, you start blackouts. You can't. And that's so imagine being like up here and all of a sudden you mm-hmm. feel like a, a toddler. And that's why so many people 
a hush about it. I heard Jamie Dukes and Chad Oshosinko talking on a podcast about it. And Jamie Dukes was saying, I know, like, I have people that I talk to about it because mm-hmm. I know something's not right. Sports psychology, Chad, sports psychology, yeah. I am very glad, has been getting more attention. Good. And, and, and even Chad, like, he went through a list of concussions he had. Just Ooh. went, just like, was naming them. And was like, I was knocked out. Um, so with boxing, I mean, these guys who are these mammoth people, you look up um, and they're getting screwed out of money by people in suits who mm-hmm. can barely fight. Yeah. There was a, an interview with, uh, God, what's his name? I'm trying to remember his name. Um, an older boxer. But he was to ask him, when did he cry? Has he ever cried after a fight? And he said, I cried when I fought. I think the purse was like for $3 million. Sheesh. And he left with 700000 uh. <laughs> it was something crazy. Yeah. Like the purpose, like three, it's like three or five million, but he left with seven hundred k. He was like, "Yeah, I cried." Yeah, and, said, and yeah, that man. is a very valid thing. And again, decisions were made above right. him, far above yep. him. Yeah, and he shows up, did his job, not good enough. Not good enough. Here's your part. This is what you signed up for. This is your contract you signed. And there's not nothing, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. You can't do a thing about it. Um, but I thought Hurricane really tackled that too. Like this guy, you know, just out of his control, everything, and his life was just in shambles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love that movie. If anyone hasn't seen Hurricane, I would recommend go watch it. It's one of my favorite Denzel performances. Yeah, totally. He's fantastic. Agree. Yep, totally agree. Great, great movie. All right, so now uh, now that we did those fun lists, uh, yeah. So Hands of Stone, the new movie. Directed by Jonathan, and I, oh man, I tried to find how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> uh, he is a Venezuelan director, so I have no idea. Like Jonathan, either Hokobowitz, Hukubowitz, yeah. no idea. I'm very, I, I, I'm very sorry to all of my Venezuelan listeners. Yeah. Um, but yeah, directed by, directed by him, mm-hmm. stars Robert De Niro, Edgar Ramirez, uh, about the turbulent life and incredible story of Roberto Duran. So tell us, so take it for a minute, Tim, and kind of frame it for us, kind of how you thought this movie, you know, how this biopic depicted him. You know, I was torn because I felt like the De Niro character wasn't necessary. Hmm, interesting. Like the focus on him. Oh, okay. His family. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an interesting uh, choice. It definitely was an interesting, interesting choice. interesting choice because I felt like Duran was such a much more interesting person. Like mm-hmm. his disdain for the U.S. Yeah. Uh, what was happening in Panama at the time with the Panama Canal. Like, there's so many people, you know, most people under 40 30. don't know anything about it. Like Mm-mm. the Panama, why was that a thing? Yeah. How tense it was. Uh, there's that scene when he talks about being hungry and then seeing oh. U.S. soldiers eat. But, like, that stuff, I thought, I want more of that because mm-hmm. it drove him. And even that scene when he was with his wife and she's like, you want to embarrass America, you got to beat their guy. Mm-hmm. You have to beat their champion. I, yeah. I would love to have seen more, like, because Sugar Ray just pops up. So we don't know anything about how mm-hmm. great he is. Yep. So I, I, would, I would have scrapped all the De Niro stuff, had him in the movie, but I would have scrapped all the backstory. Okay. Um, I did enjoy though how the mob, 
really was resistant about television and boxing. Mm-hmm. And again, you talked about it before. That was one of the things that I really liked about this movie. Yeah. Uh, John Turturro was yeah. the head of some nameless, you know, organization. Uh, but they, I mean, they really went into it. And they went into it in a smart Cause, way. Cause isn't, isn't MMA still illegal in New York? Uh, they... Because they've never had a fight in Madison Square Garden. That's the, and it, it's funny because they mentioned that in the film, like Madison Square Garden being this holy grail. Mm-hmm. And not just for boxers and sports, like for, for comedians, like it's this thing you get to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, I play Madison Square Garden. And it comes up in the film, um, but it reminded me of like the MMA was it's always a battle. No yeah. matter how big these fights are, like, like mm-hmm. you're not doing this in New York City. Boxing is king still. Yeah, so, I mean, MM, like UFC... And I just looked this up because I I knew there was something recently. Yeah. Uh, They're trying to. So Ultimate Fighting Championship will hold its first mixed martial arts fight in New York State November 12th of this year. Of 2016. Of 2016. (laughs) Right? But it goes to what what you see in the film, which is the mob really having their hold on, like, you're Mm -hmm. not doing it. But anyway, I would have scrapped most of that and did did more about... um, who Duran was and also mm-hmm. who Sugar Ray was because those are the fights the movie yep. really, really focuses on. Yep. Um, but I thought it was I thought it was solid. I thought, um, you know, the one thing also, you know, from talking to my dad years and, you know, if you talk to anyone who was alive during that time. Oh, man. <laughs> those fights were huge. Yep. Huge. Mm-hmm. When I was like, tw- I'll never forget this conversation. I was like 22 on a bus on the way to work and we were t- there was another fight coming up. It mm-hmm. must have been some... Roy Jones, Roy Jones yeah, something. I was like, yeah. with, with Tim and I being around the same age, yeah. when we think about boxing, yeah, it was either Mike Tyson fight, Holyfield, but or the, Roy Jones. The, the bus driver starts telling me about how big these Duran Leonard fights were. Mm-hmm. He was like, he's like, you have no idea. He's like, all these racial implications, like it was mm-hmm. crazy. And then went to like closed circuit place to watch it. Something Jeez. I've never done, right? right. I, we grew up in the era of pay per view. Yep. At home, and he was like, "Yeah, everyone's in this theater, and we're all watching this fight, and it's crazy." Hmm. Um, so he he was sort of explaining the atmosphere, and the atmosphere in this film kind of gets lost, like how massive the fights were. I I could see that and because how big, and how big the Nomos thing that that was a huge deal. And to this day, uh, he denies ever yeah. saying Nomos in yeah. the ring. So that, but that was, I mean, that was a story was a for decades, deal. decades. Um, so one of the things, like, it's funny, and boxers who are supposed to be, they're fighters and mm-hmm. they, they fight and this is a guy who quit and yeah. that became his narrative. Mm-hmm. This great guy with hands of stone quit. Yeah. One of the things that this movie, one of the huge shining points for me was how much it took place in Panama. Yeah. How much Spanish was in this movie. Like that was tremendous because there are so yeah. many biopics like this or movies like this that take place in places where they should be speaking that language because it would it would ground it it would make it feel more real it would give the actors an opportunity to showcase that because it feels natural the amount of spanish spoken in this movie it might sound weird but that was a huge highlight for me it was it was i I hadn't even considered that but they did because most movies will everyone speaking english like why are they speaking english in nigeria that's weird (laughs) Yeah, but, but every, every character who talks speaks it, and you're like, okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is I, kind I, of one I, of the concessions that that we yeah. kind of have. But I, I just I like how this movie from the very beginning 
I mean, yeah, John, the director, Jonathan, like, just rolled with it. Like, he is a yeah. Venezuelan director. Edgar Ramirez, uh, who great. plays Roberto Duran, is fantastic. Funny, I was just watching him in Point Break, which is a terrible movie. Ugh. But he's good in that. Like, I was watching Point <laughs> Break. I was like, wow, he's really good in this terrible film. He was in Wrath of the Titans. Yeah. Uh, as he's Ares. A good like, that, uh, uh, a new Netflix, or new, I mean, I think it came out last year, Carlos, on, mm. on Netflix. Um, I think it's called Carlos. Let me double check on that. But yeah, like he has a commanding presence. Yeah, he's solid. I like him. And who knew Usher Raymond was good as Sugar Ray Leonard? And I was worried. I was really worried because I had totally forgotten that he was in this movie. (laughs) I probably saw him in some trailer months ago. When he first showed up, I was like, "Mm, is this going to be bad? But he was good. And I think... He nailed all the little Sugar Ray stuff. Like he's smiling. This little smirks mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, all the time. Because when you when you get when you get people like Usher, kind of on opposite end of the spectrum. So when you get someone like Usher, who we know we have seen in the Public Eye for decades, you kind of worry about that. With Robert De Niro, yes, they went a little bit too much into his family. Yeah, stuff that I did not think was necessary. But he was not very Robert De Niro y. No. And that that was a very nice thing because all too often when you take a classic actor like that, a legend, and you see him in a movie and you're like, oh, okay, there's Robert Robert De Niro. It it reminded me of what um, Don Cheadle was saying about adding Uma McGregor to Miles Ahead, right? He said he had to add, I'm paraphrasing, but he had to add him to get the movie made. Interesting. It reminds me of this, like, maybe that's something they had to add. Okay, cool, we can get get De Niro on board for this role, give him a chunk of the screen. Because how else are you selling this movie? Yeah. Is it Edgar... Edgar Ramirez? Ramirez and Usher? Usher? Is yeah. it Bernie Smollett? Like, who else are you selling the movie with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you're not. And even, you if, even if they kept John Turturro in it for the yeah. 10, 15 minutes that he is in it, that is not enough. Not enough. So you need someone. And I, I, part of me hates the business of Hollywood, but I understand it. Mm-hmm. Like, if that just, is what it. The story's still out there. And I think yep. it's an important story. Exactly. Whether it be the Spanish speaking, whether it's seeing, you know, one of, one of our, you know, Latin heroes out here and mm-hmm. how dominant he was. Um, yeah. How great of a champion he was, where he came from, yeah. why he fought so hard, how much he loved the people. And that, I um, mean, they just, they did such a good job. And the director and even the, interviewed recently, uh, I forget who the outlet was, so I apologize for that, but he was talking about how he had wanted to make a movie showcasing a Latin American character or person that, that that could have a wider reach, and he when he first started getting big and he was getting scripts about drug dealers and all of this, he yeah. was like right. he was like I really want to do something different that gives a positive example right. of a Latin American hero, and they nail it. He was a hero to to a lot of people, and the the woman who plays his wife is great. She was just in War Dogs. I was just gonna say like she looked familiar. She was uh, just in War Dogs. Okay, no, yeah. she. What was interesting is they do a good job of like aging up the actors yeah. as the story goes on she i don't think they really did a very good <laughs> job. like my one of my only critiques of this movie is she still looks 18 or whatever yeah. age we first see her in, in in her school uniform yeah i was like how old is she I was like, <laughs> that was it got <laughs> uncomfortable <laughs> at the beginning i was like man how old he rolled up on her at school yeah and that, that man- was a little bit creepy 
in just his he's, his interactions. Yeah. Because I was like, ugh. He's, like, he just put her up so against the wall? That. Like, what? <laughs> I know, he did. Like, I forgot about that. Yeah, like, it, and he looks, and again, to, to his credit, yes, he is a fantastic actor. He looked about 40 in the yeah, beginning. You, you can shave his beard all you want to. Yeah, and he just rolls up on this 17, 18-year-old girl and drags yeah. her to an alley? Like, ugh. But he's, a, he's supposed to be young. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I get it. And in the context of the film, it made sense. But it was just visually they look like there's a giant age gap. Right. So, just, you know, you get that first couple minutes of uncomfortableness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their interactions were great. Mm -hmm. Uh, The husband and wife. uh, The little things that they did. Like when when they start having children. Mm -hmm. And just like the little montages of of, of having kids. Mm -hmm. So, uh, to the choreography, to like the boxing choreography. Yeah, it was good. This was fantastic. Like this really, it gave you that enough of the kind of upfront action of the camera being, or feeling like it is a foot away, but then also going back to the ring or like seeing the ropes and it played with that distance in, in just in a solid way. Right. Yeah. The boxing was really good. Yeah. I, I thought they did a fantastic job capturing those fights. Again, I just wish they captured how big of a moment they were in mm-hmm. boxing history. The kind of yada yada, and even his his sort of comeback fight. Yeah, how big of a deal that was. Like that was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Only because I've watched documentaries about this stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, those are huge deals. Yeah, um, and I think that yeah, you are right in that when they first mentioned Sugar Ray, and they're like, "Oh, he's the American champion." Like all of us know that the, the yeah. fans of I'll not even say fans, not just of boxing, but if you grew up watching ESPN, mm-hmm. you know who Sugar Ray Leonard is. Yeah. Like, you have seen a 30 for 30. You have seen him on a comment. You know, like, you know who he is. But in the context of the movie, someone going to see this who might not know that. If I don't know boxing, I'm like, okay, yeah. why is this guy a big deal? They could have spent 10 minutes to show some of his fights, his, mm-hmm. you know. But just little, little things like that, you know. Right. But overall, the performances were fantastic. Uh, I'm kind of lean. I'm I'm not trying to go into my review, you know, my, mm. my official rating just yet. So I'm not going to pat it too much. Um, I just I really the other thing that I like about biopics like this, mm-hmm. and I've said it before, at the end credits or at some point during the film, right. intercut real footage, intercut it. it's vintage have. footage. Yep. Because it then it reminds you it is that like cool. I'm sitting in this theater watching a movie. Oh wait, uh, what? Like this is real? Like yeah. giving people that shock of this happened. You know, these things happened. These people mm-hmm. were alive. You know, and so they use some vintage footage during the film, uh, just yeah. kind of some like archival footage. But I really liked that at the end, as the credits were going, it shows the pictures of the real people mm-hmm. and gives you three sentences about them. Yeah. That was all. That is all I need from a biopic, is just that realism. Mm -hmm. So, and this, yeah, this this definitely did it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What other, what other things do you got for Hands of Stone? Uh, I really, I really loved how obsessed kind of they were with each other, Duran and and um, Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like when Sugar Ray showing his wife the tape, she's just like, "Come on, man!" Like, yeah, the the obsession, the obsession of both of them had and the way that they got into each other's heads mm-hmm. without even really knowing it like they both were playing some mental warfare 
yeah. without the other person re- realizing it at first and how mm-hmm. much it truly affected their actions. Right. Yeah. No, that, yeah. that was even, and, and I love one thing that really hit on this really, really it keeps coming up in the film is sort of Duran's insecurities. Oh yeah. Like, oh, oh, you like him so much. Why don't you go train him? Like he would always have this moment of like, I'm just acting like a child. <laughs> yeah, it was like, dude, relax. I'm just saying he's a good fighter. You should respect him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, should, you should go to his corner. Then you want to you want to respect him so much. Like he had these moments of like he would turn into like you said like a petulant child. Mm-hmm. Well, um, just that that knee jerk reaction that comes from, and one of the best lines in the movie. That, that you mentioned when he talks, he's talking to Robert Downey Jr. or Robert Downey Jr. Sheesh. <laughs> Robert, Robert De Niro's character. And he was like, have you ever been hungry? And he was yeah. like, yeah, I've been hungry. And he was like, no, you have. No. He was like, I'm talking about <laughs> real hunger. Because mm-hmm. again, where he grew up and when he grew up mm-hmm. and how he grew up. And they, they do a really good job of focusing on it in the film of grounding it from the beginning. Showing right. him as this little kid who has nothing or practically no, nothing no mango stealing mangoes stealing mangoes getting you know shot at by american soldiers mm-hmm. fighting because, for money yeah i mean they, so building the character up like that gets you invested right away yeah and, and even everything that went down before the second sugar ray fight mm-hmm. like with his uh what's his my man's name from fear of the walking dead is in it um oh that is all yeah. you I, i've not seen it oh yeah it's, it's, yeah he's yeah uh, he plays the barber on Fear of the Walking Dead, but he, uh, yeah, he he wants his part. And even when he goes to him and says, "It's ten million, he says eight. Oh, right, yeah, those little things. Like, how like, much? He's like, shady. I was like, hold up, mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you mean eight? Mm-hmm. But yeah, he wants his money, and that's more important um, than anything. It reminded me we're, we're having a conversation. This is a smidge of a sidebar, but it reminded me. So when LeBron James decided to have his his friends do his management company and his agents and all this other stuff right mm-hmm. people hated it and, and he starts taking shorter deals like i don't need to take a seven-year deal i'll take a three-year deal and if the team's not competitive i'll leave and there was so much pushback from these agencies because that's their money mm-hmm. like you're getting less out of a 35 million dollar deal than you are out of 80 um mm-hmm. and they're less concerned for whether or not these guys have a livelihood and can play forever, but more about could they make their money now? Yep. And you saw that play out in Hands of Stone. It was less about Duran's career, this guy who's been with him the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like once he started, to, once he started tasting money, again, someone who's not doing any of the fighting. Nope. Once he started tasting money, he was just concerned about getting paid. Yep. And at, at like, any point in the pay. movie, as far as what I can remember, you never hear Duran talk about money. You never hear Duran no. saying. I need ten million. I need eight million. I need six million. The only the only comment is his wife says, you know, hey, this is going to cost us a hundred thousand. He was like, yeah, I don't care. Look how happy they are. Yeah, which was awesome. That's I it. mean, that was similar to the things that Bob Marley would do for his community. Yeah. He would just ha- he had lines around mm-hmm. his block because he constantly was giving food to just the community. And yeah, his wife makes a comment like, "Do you know how much this is costing?" He was like, "I don't care." Yeah, like this is my and, community. And, and then what happens after he quits? They hate him. Yeah, they turn on him quick. They turn on him so fast. <laughs> but that's the reality of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the what have you done for me lately crowd. Yep. Absolutely. They turn on him so fast. Yeah, yeah. But I love the film, and I hope people go see it. I think uh, I'm forgetting the, the the woman that plays his wife. I think she's gonna be the new it girl. I think she's gonna be really? she's in something else too. 
She's in um, the new Blade Runner sequel, I think. Anna de Armas. Uh, Cuban. She, Cuban actress. She's in the new Blade Runner, right? Do, 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 untitled Blade Runner sequel. Yeah. Yep. She's in that. Yeah, yeah. War Dogs. Uh, yeah, some other stuff that... A lot of Spanish stuff, like TV shows yeah. that I just I have never seen. She, she's definitely easy on the eyes, so that helps. What I, what I liked is that she was easy on the eyes, yes, but she had a, a presence about her. She had yes, she had so her own best. yeah, she had her own agency. She had her own ability to be like, you know what? No, I'm not going to put up with this. You might be a champion. You might be so and so. I'm gone. To me, it reminded me of when I first saw Margot Robbie in Wolf of Wall Street. It was the same thing. Like, oh, she's fine, but she also <laughs> wasn't just like pretty, pretty face. She mm-hmm. was like, she had a presence about her in these scenes where she commanded power. Like, yeah, which I think is important. Which I'm glad they're doing and not just casting like Victoria's Secret models for these roles. Like right. they're giving them to women who can act and actually mm-hmm. you know dominate and deserve the role and do great in the role. All right. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So, to the rating system, and if this is okay. your first time listening to the podcast, there are only three choices when it comes to rating movies, TV shows, uh, Netflix shows, whatever we end up rating, IKEA furniture, mm. whatever. <laughs> um, I've been joking about that since one of the first episodes. I might actually rate some IKEA furniture. Hey, let's do it. I will not be able to pronounce put, any of it, but, you know. Put it, just put it together and see, see how long it takes. See, <laughs> see if the instructions work. That's the Ugh. Yeah, no thank you. Uh, okay, so there are three choices. Good, bad, or ugly. A good movie is something that you would recommend to your friend, that you would watch mm-hmm. again. Uh, it could be, you know, an average movie or a fantastic movie, but you still really enjoyed it. A bad movie is something you would not recommend to your friend and not recommend that they, you know, just kind of spend that two hours. And ugly, of course, is avoid at all costs. Nobody should see that movie it should mm-hmm. just be filed away in the Warner vault or whatever studio made it. So, Tim, I will let you go first. I, I mean, if we have not been padding this enough, but yeah. good, bad, or ugly, what is your official oh, rating? It's good. Good. Very good. Go see it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I totally agree. I really enjoyed it. It, again, was not just a boxing movie. It right. was a movie that dealt with community. It was a movie that dealt with relationships. And it just it felt real and mm-hmm. yes there there were some parts that of course it you know it still is a movie yeah but it felt grounded it had mm-hmm. a sensibility to it that made sense they nailed all that 80s fashion too oh yeah they were they were <laughs> crushing it that was one thing that i did like about uh his wife's progression i know is that, <laughs> yes she looks age-wise she looks the same like she is beautiful yeah. from the beginning to the end her fashion sense, man, you see schoolgirl at the beginning and then just crazy bouffant 80s yeah. hair crushing Disco it. Fans. Uh, I had a question for you. What are some ugly boxing movies that you would rate ugly? Some ugly boxing movies. Uh, if only I had a list of a whole bunch of boxing movies right next to me. Off the top of your head. Off the top of my head, I mean, I would not say... I would not say Million Dollar Baby because it is not an ugly movie, but to mm-hmm. me, it is a bad movie. Like, it, mm-hmm. it just, it is not a movie that I'm like, hey, everybody go run out and see this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just kind of, it fell a little flat to me. So, I'm not sure what an ugly boxing movie would be. 
that I've seen. Like, I could name a whole bunch of ugly kickboxing movies <laughs> uh, if we start going down the martial arts path. Uh, yeah. All five of the kick fighter movies, which were knockoffs of the kickboxer movies with Billy oh, Blanks. Oh, you can't knock off kickboxer. Come on. I don't know. I'm saying the kick fighter ones. No, no, no. I mean, like, you can't be a knockoff oh, of yeah, yeah. kickboxer. Yeah, because Billy Blanks is in some, and then Sasha Mitchell, who ended up being on Step by Step. Anyway, I could go off on, like, those type of kickboxing movies, but, like, straight up boxing movie. I'm not sure. I cannot think of one off the top of my head. What about you? Uh, does Real Steel count as a boxing movie? Oh, come on. Boo. <laughs> I'm asking you. I mean, uh, am I going to agree to that? I will agree to it only so that I can have an ugly boxing movie. <laughs> what a piece of trash. That, I hated that. That movie was hot garbage. Like, it was just... That little kid. Uh, uh, I, won, end, uh, I won a DVD, a Blu-ray of that, at some race I went to or something. And I, I won. I was like, cool. Pretty sure I still have it in the plastic somewhere and it was just you gotta watch it we gotta review that we need to review real steel oh no we need to review no holes barred no oh, okay yeah we need to do that oh, real steel that is that real is feels bad. <laughs> yeah. so bad that is real rough cool all right so there we, we just uh yeah that was our boxing uh episode the the sweet science the sweet science and that is the thing is when you when you watch boxing like i mean i i grew up around martial arts i grew up around this type of stuff right when you watch a high level boxing match you understand why they call it the sweet science mm-hmm. like when you watch some of the slow-mos and everything and you realize how many steps ahead they were of each other right it is incredible yeah i tried boxing for three months before i broke my foot and um oh yeah it's hard <laughs> yeah it's hard it's i was like oh this is why people box when they're kids yeah you need to learn like you can't be in the ring thinking about spacing and, and placement and like mm-hmm. distance and angles you can't be thinking about that that has to come naturally yeah. or else you're gonna get knocked out and robert de niro says that in the movie when he yeah. the first fight that he goes to to see roberta duran and he was like uh ring space is a yeah. gift you it's either have it or you're constantly chasing after it yeah so but yeah so boxing movies fantastic uh tim where can people find you they can find me at the people's critic blog.com. They can find me at Instagram, people's critic, Snapchat, same Twitter with one eye, like Fetty Wap. Like Fetty Wap. One eye, like Fetty Wap. Yeah, you can find me on there. Okay. Do you have they anything? Have yeah, of course. Do you have anything coming up? I know that, you know, you recently had some interviews dropped. Do you have anything in the pipeline? Yeah. Interview with Craig Robinson for the movie More from America. Mm-hmm. Interview with Richard Tan for. Southside with you, the film about the Obama's first date, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Right, uh, Tigger Sumter is amazing in it. Um, that review for that, Hands of Stone, um, don't don't breathe this week. That's coming out. Oh yeah, it, what? Okay, and, yeah, yeah. And the interview with, with Clea Duvall, I did for her movie, The Intervention. Interesting. Clea Duvall, who you'll know from the faculty mm-hmm. and Argo, she's yeah. a great first time director. This film about this family. Sort of setting up an intervention on a family getaway, but then turns into this intervention for everybody else. It's crazy, but like a really good, well done family drama. Loved it. Awesome. Uh, and as for the podcast, this podcast, uh, you can find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. If you have show ideas or suggestions or some ugly boxing movies that you want to tell me about, you can email that to about to review at gmail.com. 
Uh, you can stream the episodes from the website, www.abouttreeview.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Give a rating on iTunes. I've not checked recently if I have any new reviews. So surprise me, people, and write a five-star <laughs> review so that I can talk about it on an upcoming episode. Uh, so I have been your host, that guy named John, and I've been joined by Tim Hall, the People's Critic. So for this episode of About to Review, thank you, Tim, for being on. Oh, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to be on. Excellent. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>